2: Provokey, and you are listening to Anchored, my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face to face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Cam Haynes is one of the outdoor industry's most influential leaders. An outdoorsman at an early age, Cam fine-tuned his archery skills until he was an accomplished bowhunter and outdoor writer. I had heard Cam speak about his respect for the animals he pursues, and I was curious to hear the story about how he became the hunter he is today. In this episode of Anchored, I sit down with Cam at his home in Oregon to discuss his introduction to the sport, our responsibility as hunters, and his opinion of his own journey within the industry. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's really good to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for making time for me. Just so everyone knows, I left at 8 o'clock this morning. The map on Google says you're seven hours from me, so sounds I sounds
0: easy. Yeah, right. Yeah,
2: it's not. No, <laughs> no. It's now seven it's seven month old.
0: It's eight p.m.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a twelve hour day, and <laughs> we didn't is. even stop for lunch. Oh man! Obviously, we fed Adelaide, but yeah. it, it was pretty frantic. So, thank you for making time at no, eight no o'clock problem. at night for me. <laughs>
0: no problem. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Let's talk about you. I don't know if you even know what the show's about. So. Yeah,
0: I've actually listened to some. Oh, I don't. Oh, wow. cool. I've never fly fished ever, yeah. uh-huh. but. I've listened to your podcast because this girl at work, she's I don't know. We always we talk about podcasts, so she told me about yours, and I'm like, well, I'll listen to it. And so I listened to I, I don't know one. You had one old guy, like some legend flight. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, it was, it was pretty interesting, but her voice was awesome. So Aww. I would, li- I would <laughs> <Thanks>. listen just <laughs> to hear your voice.
2: Well, that's very kind. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, the show really about timelines. So let's just start real simple with where you were born and raised.
0: I was born and raised right here in Eugene, Oregon. Lived here my whole life.
2: Is Eugene pretty small?
0: It's about 150,000. So it's a college town. University of Oregon is here, and yeah, it's pretty laid back.
2: Yeah, when I was trying to get the hotel room out here, I didn't want to accidentally put myself like an hour away from you, right? And I didn't have your address, okay? So I kind of looked up on the map to see how big the town is, yeah. And yeah. it's it seems like it's pretty user friendly.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's a great place to live.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now, talk to me about growing up a little bit. Did you come from a pretty regular family? Were your parents together?
0: Uh No. So pretty regular in that divorce parents and, you know. <laughs>
2: isn't doesn't that true though, huh?
0: And dysfunction.
2: Okay. <laughs> All right. And what age were you when that went down?
0: Um, Let's see. So I was about five and then my brother was about three. My parents split up and uh, then my uh, mom, there was a stepdad involved.
2: Oh. And
0: yeah, I didn't like him because he wasn't my dad. Yeah. And, you know. Missed my dad. Would go back and forth living between my mom and my dad. But then when I lived with my dad, I'd miss my brother. So yeah, it was the whole same old thing.
2: That's actually really tough.
0: Yeah, it sucked.
2: Yeah. Okay. So then, you now was your dad an outdoorsman, or was your mom an outdoors woman uh-uh. or person?
0: No, no. And so the funny thing is, is my stepdad, who I didn't like, was the hunter.
2: Oh.
0: So he got me started in hunting, and as a as an olive branch, you know, to try to build something between us and, um, you know, it didn't, I didn't still, didn't want to hang out, but I liked the hunting part. The funny thing is, is now is they're still married and he's a good guy.
2: Oh, so So, you get on with him now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. So everything's good. Well,
2: that actually, that's a pretty interesting lesson.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, it was, but as a kid, you know, you don't, you just know what you like and know what you want and you don't, you're not really interested in the big picture.
2: Right. So was it a sort of like once a year kind of thing?
0: It was just like hunting was just sort of on um, just weekends, and you know, I mean, it, not serious. It was just like what everybody does. It's not, it's not like uh, it was going to be a career or anything like that. Did you fish? A little bit, yeah. I, you know, so I fished growing up too, just in the small stream behind our house. Okay. Yeah, so native cutthroat. So it was like you know, a ten to twelve inch fish was. I mean, the world record in our own world record in yeah. that little creek was 15 inches.
2: Okay, all right, that gives me some sort of
0: yeah, yeah
2: uh, context there.
0: But they were tough. I mean, you would, you know, as you know, you'd have to sneak up to the water. They would see you if you, you know, stood up too tall, and you'd have to just kind of like throw your line in there and you'd get one chance. Right. And then you'd gone to the next hole.
2: So that's hunting.
0: Yeah. In its yeah, own Yeah, for fish, yeah.
2: So what do you think back then appealed more to you about hunting than fishing?
0: Um, fishing was just, I don't know, we'd do that almost every day. And then hunting was, uh, you know, the, the prize was bigger. You know, you could get one deer a year. Mm-hmm. So if you killed a nice buck, I mean, that was a big deal.
2: And you guys ate all the meat, yeah. obviously.
0: Yeah, that's that's what it was for.
2: Okay. Yeah. So then what happens from there? I'm assuming you went to high school.
0: Yeah, in that small town that we that I lived in. It's at, actually, I didn't grow up in Eugene. It was a small town outside of Eugene. And uh, so my high school class had 24 or 28 kids in it. And it was just a small school. We lived out in the country, and uh, yeah, I just I was basically just played sports there—football, basketball, baseball—and that's just what I did.
2: Okay, so super athletic.
0: I don't know about that, but that's what I like to do.
2: Okay. <laughs> now I think I did read somewhere in my in my very half assed Google stock that your dad was big into was it running?
0: Yeah, he was. Uh, some yeah, my real dad just he was an amazing athlete and uh he did track and gymnastics oh wow yeah so he he was you know from eugene here and uh i've heard stories about him that he was a legend and he got a scholarship at the university of oregon for gymnastics and then school didn't work out there and then so went to oregon state on a track and field scholarship so he he was amazing
2: Yeah, is he still around?
0: No, he he died in uh, July fifth, twenty
2: ten. Do you still? And this is totally jumping ahead, but is that part of the reason why you still run? Like, do you kind of connect with him when you're out there?
0: I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe when I got when I got started doing it, maybe it was uh, because he didn't. So I think you started to ask, but he he didn't hunt. He'd actually make fun of me for hunting. Oh, really? Yeah, because he was from the city and here. I lived out in a small town with my mom and stepdad, and he would say, you know, every time I killed something, I would lose brain cells. And, oh, wow. Okay. And so, just kind of giving me a bad time. But he never hunted ever. And but my in athletics and in running, then that was what we we had a connection there. Yeah, but that you know, so maybe. I remember he would come out when I was in grade school and watch me run, and I wasn't that good, but I would try really hard, and he would be there, and I'd be, you know, I'd be a big deal, but, um, yeah.
2: Okay. What college did you go to?
0: I went to Southern Oregon State, and then just a community college here in town called Lane Community College.
2: With the intention of taking, or what did you take?
0: I took criminal justice, and then also I wanted to be a writer, so I switched back and forth. It says... I loved writing. I loved writing about my hunts. Mm
2: -hmm. Were you writing for any magazines or anything at that time?
0: Not at that, not in college, but then I started after college and I always, that's what I always wanted to do. And then I ended up writing two books and being the editor of a magazine and have written a lot since then.
2: Was there somebody, you know, you read a lot of their work or was there a magazine you read when you were getting into it to learn?
0: Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I'd read Jack London, like White White Fang and... Mm -hmm. Call of the Wild. Well,
2: no and, wonder you like writing. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, he's a great storyteller. And then growing up, I would read all the bow hunting magazines. So that was Chuck Adams and Dwight Hsu and kind of those guys who were pioneers of archery.
2: Were you shooting a bow with your stepdad or were you guys no, strictly on guns? Just
0: rifle. Okay. Rifle. My buddy Roy, let's see, I think he was about 18 or 19, he started bow hunting. He went to high, the same high school I did. And he he started bow hunting the year before I I started, and he's he goes, dude, you got to start with the bow. He goes, there's way more animals you'll see, and because they weren't pressured like with rifle season, so you'll see more, and there's less people. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. So just got the cheapest bow I could afford and started practicing, and from then on, that's all I've done.
2: And what age was this? This was around nineteen. You're about nineteen. Okay.
0: So. It's been thirty years.
2: Yeah, how old are you, if I can ask? Fifty. Is that offensive to ask guys
0: that?
2: Um, it's not offensive when people ask me how so. old I am. But I think my last three consecutive guests have said, "I don't, I don't think it's relevant." And I'm like, "Well, it is relevant. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it does matter." But you know, because okay, so you're 50. Well,
0: you're 25. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm 35. I'll be 36 soon. Oh, well, I used to lie and say you know I was 10 years younger. So I'd
2: why though? Why would a man lie about his age?
0: But then, but then. When I, so if I'm 50, then I'd lie and say I'm 40, and I'm like, well, that's still old. So when I'm <gasps> supposed, am I supposed to take off 20 years now? So that gets a little silly.
2: No, just embrace
0: it. Think so? Yeah, okay. absolutely.
2: Guys get better as they get older.
0: <laughs> okay. I
2: mean, women do too. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit then about how it starts to come into your profession. I don't even know if it is a profession. Like, There's so much I have to ask you. Okay. Let's just get back to, to college a lot of people when they're in university college whatever it is your post secondary yeah. they end up getting distracted with either academics or women and mm-hmm. or men in you know cases like for Women, and they put down the Well, Actually, for
0: men one. and men now and men, yeah, right. I can't see. keep
2: up with it. Honestly, <laughs> I just cannot keep up with the world nowadays. I'm joking. So yeah, <sighs> but yeah, we got to be PC every time we turn around. So <laughs> stupid. And um, yeah. So what about you? I mean, were you chasing men? Were you chasing women? <laughs> were you chasing unicorns? Were you chasing deer? Were you chasing acad- academics? What were I you was, onto?
0: Well, so when I went to Southern Oregon State, I wanted to play football down there. So I played football and basically I, I didn't have any money so I was like student loans my I think my grandma gave me some money for gas I used to use her card for gas so I mean college just wasn't a priority in my for my family at that time mm. and uh, I was you know kind of off doing my own thing and so I ended up not having enough money to go to school lost interest and then just got a was a part-time job and I was Hunting and uh man, I was like going nowhere.
2: Like it in was, in life?
0: In life, yeah. It was I don't know.
2: How do you define going somewhere? I mean were you were hunting? Were you happy?
0: Um, yeah. I mean I wanted to I wanted to hunt every day.
2: Right. So yeah. exactly. But
0: I was making like four dollars an hour.
2: Okay, so you mean financially you weren't going anywhere?
0: In life I wasn't going nowhere. I mean it was like <laughs> yeah, it was I don't know. I was I was didn't really have any direction.
2: Okay. So you weren't driven at all at that point?
0: Not really. I was kind of just hanging out, drinking beer on the weekends. Yeah. I didn't really have any big hopes and dreams.
2: Okay. That's changed. You yeah. appear to be extremely driven.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, so- it's changed. I mean, I was young and I don't know.
2: What happened? Oh,
0: man. You know, you know, when I started bow hunting, so I was pretty young and I ended up, I killed a bull elk. My, that was my first kill. And I got a little bit of attention for that, you know, even amongst, in my small town, it's like, man, I got some positive feedback and felt like I'd done something special. Mm. So that felt good because killing a, killing a bull elk, I don't care what size it was with a bow is not easy. No. And, uh, was
2: this in, where did this happen? The here, kill? just
0: right outside of town, okay, just, cool. just here in Oregon. And, um, that felt good, you know? So I'm like, well, dang it. You know, I just liked that. So I kept bow hunting. I kept having more adventures. Then I started writing about it. And I was, I had a connection with just regular guys, just like me. And I'd tell the story and I'd speak of the struggles and I'd, you know, write articles like, uh, committed to the wilderness or, uh, just this stuff about working hard, being in the mounds, coming of age in the mounds and, you know, being fearful about, going in deep by myself and second-guessing my abilities. And so that kind of resonated with guys just like me. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of started building some steam and, uh, I don't know, it just developed into something. And then I had a dream of writing a book about hunting black-tailed deer, which is the you know the deer here in Oregon on the western side, the Colombian blacktail, and I'm like, well, maybe I could write a book. So I borrowed money from everybody I knew. My mom, my grandma, my in laws. And I would just made a bunch of terrible decisions doing this book. I made it all full color, big, thick paper, just like the nicest book ever. And it costs. ching. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking. It costs like 56,000 bucks. Yeah. And I didn't have any of my own money.
2: And this is before, this is pre internet days. So you can look at yeah, them?
0: Yeah, pre internet.
2: How are you planning on selling
0: them? I have no idea. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I, I was hoping that. Just from I had built a little bit of a name for myself, and I would have a website and I'd sell them. So as it turns out, I I think I I printed off five thousand books for fifty six thousand dollars, and ended up. I mean, I sold them, paid everybody back. But that I didn't. Maybe if I didn't make money off those books, it gave me confidence and opened the doors, and people knew that. Oh yeah, you're the guy who wrote this book, and so it gave me more opportunity.
2: Is it still available? Can people yeah. still get this book? Yeah. Through you?
0: Yeah. There's only I think there's only about one case left.
2: Wow! So get on it, people. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I want to sell them because I got to I got to have a sum for myself, you know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, actually, no, I don't even. I think they're still for sale. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. I sell a, a lot of my second book. The, it's called Backcountry Bowhunting.
2: Okay. And when did that
0: book? come to be. I see. So the first book came out in in 1999. The second book came out in 2006. Okay. So it's been, it's been out for 12 years and now it's sold, man, I just did another run. It's sold 50,000 copies.
2: Are you happier with the second book?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so the first book I sold close to Mm 5,000, the second book, 50,000.
2: Yeah. A lot of that is you being more popular too, but you internally, did you? Do you feel you wrote better in the second I, mean, I would imagine you wrote better in the
0: second Yeah, one. I did. Yeah, I did.
2: Was it as personal to you as the first one was?
0: Yeah, it was. It Because it was more... You're invested more. It was about hunting in the wilderness in the backcountry. Mm-hmm. And you're more invested... When you got to go in deep in the mountains, as opposed to if I'm just driving out in the hills from the house and I'll be back tonight.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know what
0: I mean? So there was definitely a more connection with the mountains and the and myself and and the challenges and and all that with the second book. It's it's. I mean, I put everything into that book. Mm-hmm. It's a good one.
2: When you look back at your younger self, do you think that a lot of that was for attention, or was it because you were finding yourself by sharing it? with other people.
0: Hmm. Um, man, probably both. Probably a little bit of both. I mean, young men especially, I think want attention, you know. I mean, it feels like um there's some ego, you know. I'm, I'm like on a say I didn't have any ego, but also I would say that You know, if I'd go in deep in the wilderness for 10 days, I learned more about myself in those 10 days than years here. Yeah, You know, the whole thing about all the comforts of home we take for granted, Mm, you know, and then absence makes a heart grow fonder. So whoever you cared about here, all of a sudden, you know, in the mountains, you're just like, you miss them. Mm -hmm. And you're like, when I get back, I'm going to, man, I'm going to be so much nicer. I'm going to be, you know, so it's all that. It's just so... Maybe part of it was like, I, I like the feedback, but at least as much or more as what it did did for me to develop myself, to to become a man.
2: Yeah. And it's the same thing for, I think, a lot of anglers. And I mean, it was the exact same thing for, for me, really.
0: Yeah. Was it?
2: Yeah. everything just different out there. You know, even my place is, my camp is not off the grid by any means, but mm-hmm. I don't have power and I don't have water and oh, all those okay. things. So, you know, I've got to go pump my own water. It tastes better. Yeah. I cook all my food on the fire. Oh. It tastes better. Yeah. i got to make my own heat. It feels better. Yeah. I don't see my husband for months on end. Right. When I see him, I'm crazy yeah. about him. And yeah. And then, you know, the reality kicks in. <laughs> but, you know, in the absence of all of those yeah. things, everything just, you appreciate it more. Yeah. And and you have all this time to really think about who you are as a person.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it changes. I mean, every year, every trip, you just learn something new, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. This is still you still finding that at 50? I'm sorry, at, at 40?
0: 30. Yeah, 30. I'm taking 20 off now. <laughs> <Takes> 20 off. <laughs> Slash it down. <laughs> yeah, so 30's not, I mean, that's not that old. Um,
2: I don't even know if I'd want to be 30 again.
0: <laughs> it's like just
2: out of 20s. Yeah, I know. No, no, I'll take where I'm at now.
0: Okay. <laughs> Embrace your 50. Okay. Uh, what, was, what was the question again? Are you still finding yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a different part of the journey, you know, so, but there's always... You're always learning, I think. You're always developing. There's different huge milestones or experiences. You know, I mean, now it's, you know, I remember my, my friend Roy, who got me started bow hunting. Now I think back on all the, the times we shared together. And, um, you know, in 2015, he fell and died. And so since then, it's like a, a before before he died, and then after, and it's like it's you know lots changed. But that's pretty profound. Yeah.
2: Uh, when was your first entry into the industry, or was your book the first real entry?
0: Um, man, I don't know. You know, I, I there's a, a magazine. It's called Eastman's Hunting Journal and Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, and they were like a western, or they are a western based magazine. And they're a real glossy color and it's like cool to get your stuff in there. So I wrote a story, a, a few stories for them actually, and they didn't pay anything. Mm. And that developed in, they liked my writing style and that developed into, uh, I was like a field editor or what was it called? I think field editor, oh, managing editor maybe. And then I became the editor of the magazine. Oh,
2: wow. What was the subscription
0: base? Um, 25000 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still, it's not huge nowadays, but I was able to get to 25,000 people. You know, that was a big deal at that time. Mm -hmm. So that was in 2000 to 2008.
2: Oh, wow. You were there for a long time. Yeah. Was that your full-time job? No. What were you doing on the side?
0: What I do right now. Oh yeah. I was doing, yeah. I still had the same job I had now. The the job I have now, I've had for 22 years.
2: I still don't know what you do. What's your job? I don't either. I thought you were a social media star. (laughs) Yeah, I love when people say that they make all their living on social media. It's like what? Um, what? No, you
0: no. Yeah, I'm basically a celebrity.
2: You're a big, no. you're a big deal.
0: <laughs> so the water and power company in town. I'm I'm a superintendent there.
2: Okay, and you have to work nine to five. Yeah, sucks. Okay. Do you get a lot of vacation? It doesn't
0: time? I don't want to say it sucks. This is kinda of like my go to thing I get. say. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, yeah. Sorry, boss. Uh I love my job. Yeah, yeah. I live for it. No, I just kinda of say it. I mean I if I if I was that miserable I wouldn't work there. The people I work with are good. I like I like them. I I like it's just it's all about just time. It's you know, it's I don't have enough time to do everything I want to do, but when I'm there I enjoy it. Right. And I enjoy the challenge of it. I, I like working with the people. And I like trying to help them succeed. So I can't say I hate it or it sucks. It's no, stupid.
2: but you do have a family to support. Yeah. I don't know how personal it is, but I've just met your wife. She's beautiful. Yeah. You've got two kids, <laughs> three, three kids. Yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And how old are they all?
0: They are. Let's see. My oldest is 25 now. He's in the
2: army. No ar- kidding.
0: <laughs> He's in the army. I know for 30 years old. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> you started
2: so early. I did. I was five.
0: <laughs> um, Yeah, so he's in the Army. My Who you met is, he's third year over here at the University of Oregon. Cool. In advertising. And then Taryn is my daughter. She's going to be a freshman in high school.
2: Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, so with three kids, it makes sense that you'd have a a job. Right, right. A a real job. I say, I mean, I don't know. You can have jobs that aren't a nine to five yeah. that are still real jobs. So it's right. not, you know, it's not that I'm implying that other people don't have real jobs, but you have like a, like a time, regular like person a job. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So walk me through the timeline from there. You write for a magazine, you're there till 2008, you've got this job. Mm-hmm. 2008, hold on, let me think about that. That's 10 years ago. So before Instagram and it would have been 2008, Facebook's ex- in existence.
0: It was, that was sort of like, um, it was a weird time I thought, I, I I recognized Facebook as being a good opportunity and-
2: I cannot wait to hear what the public thought about you recognizing
0: that. Well, no, it was the magazine I worked for is mm-hmm. they, it was kind of like, I mean, I wouldn't have been there without them. So I can't, I'm not going to say anything bad, but I'm just saying it was kind of a weird time because I was getting, uh, I don't want to say super popular or whatever, but I was getting popular. The magazine was always popular. But the magazine was called Eastman's Hunting Journal. My last name isn't Eastman's. They started the magazine. But all of a sudden, it was like, who's more popular? You know, a little bit. I mean, they were still bigger. But still, there was like, the advertisers wanted to use me in the advertising. I mean, so I totally get it. I can't say anything bad. But I remember there was a magazine, and they we got some feed, negative feedback from a reader that said, you know, Cam had a feature on this, a thing on this, and then seven advertisers had them on full page ads.
2: Mm, full saturation.
0: Yeah. So it was like-
2: two. What did they used to say about me? TMA, too much April. So you were TMC.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, they would send me like letters that people wrote in. I remember this one, this kid from Utah wrote in and said, if I see another picture of Cameron Haynes, I'm going to puke. Okay. So, were you
2: putting yourself in these ads, though, and, and no. in the layout of the magazine?
0: No, because I, 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 you know, it's almost
2: like a radio that plays your song too much. If you don't have a say, it's really frustrating because they're killing your image with oversaturation. Yeah.
0: Well, the, so they they said I was an editor, but I was here. They put the magazine together back there, the layout, so I didn't yeah. even really see it. And but the advertisers, they would say, "We want to use Cam in this ad." and we'll we'll buy this ad you know so so some I think some would say that if he can 't be in the ad, then we won 't buy the ad right so it 's like it's a whole business part it's kind of a transition it was It was just a hard time, and so i was I was on Facebook, and my Facebook was going good, so I wrote this column about how you know Facebook was going to be like this big thing, mm-hmm. and uh it was. I don't know it was just that that was two thousand eight and just just how that um it was just kind of a it was a hard time because of all that going on, and then it just was like, you know what maybe I mean I can't be on every page in the magazine. I understand their point, maybe it'd just be easier if I just did something else, yeah, so that was kind of the transition into celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> no, into nothing. I didn't have anything else to, I just wasn't writing for them anymore.
2: Okay. So, where do you, what do you do from there? I, mean, I would imagine you didn't lay dormant for too long.
0: No, I mean, I wanted to write, you know, I still loved writing. So, I just started writing. I think I got a column in Bowhunter magazine and started to do that. And then I got, let's see, what else did I do? I don't know. That's
2: a big magazine.
0: Yeah, that's a big one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I had, it was a good column. Yeah. It's always, God. The egos and hunting, and I, I'm not taking myself out of it, but it's like people would say, because I would write and I would just say what I do, and people would say, you don't do that, or you're making that up, or I don't know. What, what
2: is an example of something that people would call you out for that, saying that you didn't do it?
0: Well, like right now, what I do training-wise, if there wasn't proof like of what I do, Instagram or like your tracker on your phone, nobody would believe that that's what I do.
2: And you don't mean hunting? Well, I guess hunting training and gym training is the same thing. But you mean like when you're like running. running? Yeah. Okay.
0: So if I would say that back then, they would say I'm lying. Oh. Now I just now I just show that you know I did a marathon. You know, last few days in a row.
2: Mm-hmm. And silly people, because all it does is just drive you to more. It yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, so,
0: yeah. so it was like. I don't know. It's like, there's, I don't know. It's just been been hard, sometimes hard in the industry, just because um, everybody's trying to work, make their way. So it's basically a competition.
2: Yeah, I get the feeling in the hunting industry. I don't know anything about the hunting hunting industry. I'll never be in mm-hmm. the hunting industry. Yeah. It's a decision I made a long time ago. But I get to, it feels like there's some competition going
0: on. There, there is. It's competition, and so what would happen is instead of saying, "Oh, man, that's awesome," uh, that's I don't know. You can say they need to say that it's inspiring, but instead they would just talk shit about what I do.
2: Okay, so you decided to start blogging, I would imagine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I totally just, guessing. But that just, seems to be the progression.
0: I, I think I'm trying. I think I'm saying that maybe I'm saying everybody else had a problem with me, but maybe it was me. You know how it's like if you, if you start looking and, and like you're like, you see all these trends that people, all these people have a problem with like the one thing, and you're like, well, is it that one thing or is it everybody else? So I'm thinking if I was the one thing that everybody had a problem with, maybe it's me.
2: But maybe you were too ambitious in some people's eyes I don't know maybe because, that's an excuse well you know I don't know
0: I don't know, <laughs> I don't know were you an asshole probably you think I don't know like do you
2: look back at your own behavior and shake your head or do you go you know what I really was my best back then
0: no I don't think I was my best I think I was partly I was to blame for some I think it was part of you know wanting something so bad uh,
2: but what did you want like what was it that you wanted
0: um, opportunity
2: were you looking for free stuff? Were you looking for free trips? Were you looking for notoriety? Were you looking for more time to reflect? Were you looking to get out of your nine to five?
0: <laughs> so that song has been in my I head. Know, that's why I <laughs> laughed. Um, I don't know what I was looking for. I, th- I think maybe, maybe all of that, or maybe just, you know, when I started bow hunting, I would see people and I'd see like, I remember thinking, man, all these people I looked up to, these famous bow hunters, I remember thinking to myself, I could do that too. I could do that too if I just had the opportunity.
2: Oh, okay.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. But I didn't have any money. I didn't have any resource. I didn't have any access to any great hunts. Nobody knew me. Nobody you know really cared about what I did. So it was like I fought every day to try to to make my way. Mm. And maybe I just went about it. Maybe I could have went about it better.
2: Well, that's fair. I think that's very mature to yeah. think about it that way. I
0: don't know. I mean, I've had time now, and now I'm. I see what happens, and I see how the Instagram and the likes and all this, and so I, I see I I see what guys are doing, and I think I can relate because I know I know what they're doing, and so I can't hate on them because I'm like, I did the same stuff. You know, everybody's just trying to make a mark.
2: Coming up, Cam and I have a heart-to-heart about the conflicts of being a sponsored hunter. Liking this episode? Please leave a review about Anchored on iTunes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell.
0: My number one sponsor during that time has been Under Armour. And how long and, uh, has that been going for? Oh man, two thousand four. They've had yeah. you
2: on staff or on, or ambassador for yeah. longer than any of their other yeah. ambassadors.
0: Athletes, yeah. yeah. That is
2: unbelievable. Yeah.
0: Very yeah. cool. That that is. It's amazing. And uh there's been there's even been times lately where I've had the same thoughts that I had before like going up with the Eastmans and all that, like, thinking, God, am I wearing out my my welcome here? even with Under Armour, and I'm like, I just, I think the biggest problem, and I, what sucks is people are going to listen to a part of this and probably form an opinion like like halfway through and go, that guy is a dick, and I hope they can just listen to the whole thing before they form an opinion on me, but uh, you know, part of the, I think the biggest problem with all this is I wanted opportunity but also when i then when i get it and then there's obligation and then there's they're saying hey we're going to give you this much money and you have to do this much i hate the business part of hunting mm. i hate it because i don't i've never done what i do for money i do it because i love it and so i almost want to sabotage like subconsciously want to sabotage this stuff because i hate the business part of it's the the hunting is so pure to me and, and what I love and it's made me who I am and I'm taking money for it, almost feel dirty a little bit and I'm like I almost I just I just don't like it
2: Is it accepting money does it have anything to do with death of animals or is it just simply that you no. feel that you're taking money what, what's, what would an obligation be if it's not having to kill an animal what would be a dirty obligation for you besides having to sign a contract
0: um I mean, hunting is pure hunting is, and it's my passion. It's what I love. And when you, when you muddy the waters a little bit with, with money being involved in it, then it's not so pure. Tending. Well, that's how I see. That's how I, I mean, I think back and I remember like, there's been a few times where I say like, I'm looking at this buck right here, this white tail buck up on the walls. That was 2004. That was the first hunt that anybody ever paid for me to go on. And, uh, mossy oak had me on the hunt and so i was back there and let me think no that wasn't it that wasn't it that was in alabama but the same same place anyway so i was on this hunt in georgia 2004 with mossy oak i was bow hunting there's deer running around It's pretty good they said hey our tv show's gonna be here tomorrow they're gonna be here but they're only gonna be here for one day so you know we know you want you, you like to bow hunt but they're only gonna be here for one day so what we'll do is there's an area we save for bow hunting but we'll let you use a rifle we'll get it on film and then you can be like mossy obsession i think is was, was a tv you can be on tv it'll help you it'll help us it'll be it'll be great for the story and uh um so they'll be here tomorrow and, and we'll do that and you'll kill a nice buck and i'm like um i don't rifle hunt and they said well no no yeah we know we know but for the TV show. And so it'd be good for, for you. And it'd be good for us. And you know, it's just the only half of the day. So we'll just do that. And I said, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to kill anything with a rifle. I don't rifle hunt. Yeah. And they were like, what? <laughs> so I said, I'll hunt. I mean, I'll, I'll hunt. They'll go out with me and it'd be cool. And you know, if, if one comes and I kill with the bow, then that'd be great. And so that's what we did. And I didn't kill one. I wasn't on the show. No, there's no dead animal for the shit. Didn't work out. Like, so I mean,
2: but you, but you didn't do anything dirty because you yeah. s- stayed true to your integrity,
0: right? But I mean, I, I, I get what they're saying too.
2: Well, what are they saying? We need dead stuff for television. Well,
0: there, it's a business. Nope.
2: Next, like I just no. <laughs> do not dig it. But,
0: but it's a business. I get it. I can't hate on them. That's the name of the game. That's the business of it.
2: Sure, but you don't have to partake in it.
0: I, I signed up to be on. Like, you, so you, know, si- you
2: signed up to do you to hunt and they chose not to use it,
0: right? Right, and so they, I mean, and they understood well, they sort of understood mm-hmm. at first, is because a lot of guys would have been, Oh, yeah, I'll do that because they listen, this is an out of state hunt they paid for. And if somebody would have said, Okay, I'll do that, fine, that's fine. But it's, it's, they respected me enough to say, Okay, that's your personal choice sort of get it, sort of not, you know, but that's fine. So, I mean, it wasn't, there was no ill feelings, but I just knew that I had to, I had to stick to, you know, I just had to just be true to myself.
2: Yeah. But you know, you shouldn't feel guilty about any of that because you stay true to yourself, your own integrity, but stories like that Mm -hmm. hopefully will inspire people to do the same, stay true to themselves. Right. right? But at that
0: time I thought, God, did I just screw up? is this like the last hunt I'm ever going to go on? Because they're like, this dipshit. And we pay for them to come down here. We need them to get a kill. I mean, so I didn't know at that time of like, oh my, what did I do? But what about now when you look back? Now, of course, it's a great decision. I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, I would have felt, I don't know how I'd feel. But I mean, now it worked out. But at that time, you know, I just mentioned the competition. You can't make poor decisions in business and expect to be around. So- That was that could have been a poor decision on my part. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. But I mean still at that time I'm like, oh God. So it was, you know, it's just stuff like that 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 I don't like.
2: Yeah, but I think that sport needs people like that. I understand that you're just, you know, you said a few minutes back that you wonder sometimes if you're dirtying up a pure sport by taking money for it. We're not gonna dive into like money here. So I don't know what your real job brings in versus this, but you know, like for me, my real my full-time job is working and fishing. Okay. I need to get paid for it mm-hmm. because if I'm going to keep going out there and inspiring people because I I really do enjoy inspiring yeah. people, I yeah. need I need to eat and feed my child and pay my Right bills. Right. So I have no problem taking money for it as long as I stay true to my integrity. Mm -hmm. I sleep at night and I say no and I and I am able to be around in the industry long enough or to do podcasts like this to tell people listening, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: tell them to pound sand if they ask you to do something you don't believe
0: in. Right. Right. So
2: don't feel don't feel dirty.
0: Well, now now I don't have to do what I don't want now because now the the tables have turned a little bit and now I have because of. Social media, I have power. Mm-hmm. Before, if I didn't have a magazine to write for, if I didn't have a TV show to be on, if I, I had to do what they said, or I was, there's another guy, you know, right outside the door or a phone call away that would do it. But now, you know, because Because of social media, things have changed a little bit. So it's, you know, it's a little bit different.
2: So, how have things changed with social media?
0: (laughs) It's like anytime these new platforms come out, because I'm like, well, my Facebook is doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. God, do I have to start all the way back over at Mm. zero? And so you never really know if it's going to work. Because then Twitter's been the same, and I've never even really got on. Twitter is kind of updated automatically off of Facebook. I've never made a specific Twitter post. right, It just happens. So I've kind of been like slow on some stuff, but Instagram, I liked it was easier than Facebook for updating and then, or for posting. And then I would just, I think the key for me has been just making sure I put quality content on and that's why it's grown.
2: And regular content. You're very active on there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, well I I noticed that so if I it was just okay, it's not like this in-depth uh, investigation that I had <laughs> to do but so if I would do six posts a day,
2: yeah.
0: So for 7 days it says your insights on Instagram, if I do six posts a day, it, I would get out to 18 to 20 million people in, on insights. If I did Crazy. 3 a day, it would be half that. No kidding, yeah,
2: because yeah, you do po- I did notice that you post several times in the day, yeah, multiple to, times in the day,
0: well, three is ten million, six is twenty million why so, do you want to reach so, twenty million so which is better have more of an impact
2: what kind of impact are you trying to have?
0: Oh, well, just make a positive difference
2: what kind of positive
0: difference <laughs> what kind <This laughs> what's is, your message <laughs> I don't know I try to i you know i I see I know people get um inspired or get get uh motivated to make. Uh, you know, to exercise or to shoot a bow or to just understand, even just as whether meat comes from. It's just like I, another reason why I've been successful is because I am not just hunting. I am, you know, it's running. I got a lot of people who follow me for running.
2: I thought you were a personal trainer, right? I thought your full time job was personal training mm-hmm. and that you hunted on the
0: side. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's so with each of those three as a vehicle, I reach how I don't know how many people but you know it's it's it just increases my reach.
2: Do you think that there's a major influx right now with people in fitness and hunting or do you think that hunters have always trained so hard and it just wasn't advertised or aired anywhere?
0: No, I don't think hunters have trained hard at all.
2: Do you think they do now? It seems some to be a do. trend.
0: Some do. I mean some have seen the success I've had and so want to mimic it.
2: If you weren't an athlete, mm-hmm. would you still train as hard as you do now for hunting?
0: Well, the reason why, I you know, I just noticed that the better shape I was in, the more success I had because I, I was think, hunting the mounds and I would yeah. just... So it, it's been an evolution and I've it wasn't like I was always running 100 and 200 mile races. Mm-hmm. It started with a the 10K, then... A half marathon, then a marathon, then a fifty k, and with those, my hunting successes and expectations has also went up. So it's like they go hand in hand. People sometimes don't like want to admit that because they they like hunting, but they hate running. So they're like, "Oh, that guy, you know, he thinks you need to run a marathon every day to kill an elk." It's like I've never said that. Uh, all I said is what it's done for me. I've never told anybody. They should do something do anything. Yeah. If on my inst, I never, I never say here's what you need to do. I've learned the hard way. I'm not an expert on anything. I've put in the time, and all I can say is what it's done for me. But I can't tell people what to, I'm not. I'm not going to tell people what to do.
2: Fair enough. You're obviously very goal driven. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your archery. Did I read that you broke the world record archery? In distance? Is that right?
0: Oh, that was... Oh, I mean, it was unofficial, but at that time, I, I think the world record was 219 yards <laughs> to hit a a, a a four foot by four foot target. And then I hit a balloon at 239 or 37 yards. So it was unofficial though. Have you done I've it done more done than lot. once? Yeah, yeah. I've done no it a lot. No kidding. Yeah. That
2: is so... I mean, that is impressive. Come on. Come on. Um. It um, is. It I is cuz there's always a part of me who's I mean you're attractive, you work hard, you post a lot of muscles. He posts good at you looking animals. <laughs> okay. And I was like, "Oh, is he really good? No, well, I don't know. Green not. tree says he's good, so that's oh, that's, that's counts good. for me." Yeah. But I was still wondering. I was like, "Well, like, how good is he? Not, not that good. And then I started really looking into that, into mm-hmm. your, into the distance. Because mm-hmm. I had seen you do a post as well about, I think you took a shot on, I cannot remember if it was an elk, but it was a really long distance shot. Mm-hmm. And I know that some people were giving you shit about mm-hmm. it being too long. And I actually wondered the same thing. I thought, well, is it ethical? Is he, because mm-hmm. I would never take a shot past 40, but right. I also couldn't hit, Like I, when I hit the 80 mark, I'm like, oh yes,
0: score. <laughs> That's a long shot. <laughs> but like,
2: I would yeah. never, ever take a shot like that in hunting. Yeah. But then when I looked more into you and I saw that you had been able to shoot a balloon over 200 yards, that says a lot to me. So talk to me about your opinion on taking long shots
0: on animals. Um, yeah, I don't... I never I never talk about taking long shots.
2: Because you don't want people...
0: I don't want people saying, well, he shoots it this far, I can too. Because everybody's different. Every situation's different. Every animal's body language is different. So you can't say... If I say... Um, People ask me all the time, well, "What's the longest you take on a shot? You take on an animal?" I'm like, I don't know. I'm never going to answer that. Never ever going to answer. You it. could answer it, but you don't want to. I'm not going to. But yeah. because an 80 yard shot at an animal looking at you, facing you, is different than an 80 yard shot at an animal that has no idea you're there. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't say 80 yards. Only if this, only if that, only if th- you know what I mean?
2: It's, it, there's way too many variables. Yeah. I think that's very responsible of you, and I'm not going to push you on that because I really like that answer. Okay. Talk to me about training because I think it's very important that you practice with a bow often if you're going to be a responsible hunter.
0: Yeah. I shoot my bow every day. The thing with my whole, my whole, I'm not naturally good at anything, and I've said this before, people aren't born a naturally good bow hunter. That's something you develop. But so I train, I shoot my bow every day. I lift weights every day and I run every day, just t- to be the best hunter I can be.
2: Can I ask you what's the longest you've had to pack out an animal? <sighs> because I can totally understand how you would need to be in good physical condition to do that.
0: Packed a bull elk, twelve miles. So that's multiple trips. Okay. So you you back and forth, back and forth is twenty four miles. Well, one yeah. one time. So I, you're I mean solo. it's solo. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, you you got to be able to grind.
2: Okay, I love it. The grind, keep hammering.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you have to. That's all there is to it. You got to owe it to the animal to get that meat out.
2: Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Why kill a monkey?
0: Um, well, it's over there. In, in and you're speaking in Tanzania.
2: The picture that you posted that caused the uproar.
0: Yeah. Um, it was... Uh, Baboon, thank you. Yeah, um, there's like they cause so much damage over there, and they actually over there they'll come in. Um, now what didn't happen when we, when we were there, but they'll come in the villages where the like the the native Tanzanians live, and they'll tear up stuff. They'll they've even killed babies. Come in there. Have you seen their teeth? Yeah, like bite into the skulls of oh my god my infants. Stomach. They make a mess. They they tear up a lot of stuff, and yeah.
2: Did you have a hard time doing that? like taking that shot, or in your no. mind were you like, "Nah, I can totally justify this"?
0: Yeah, it's like it's a different world over there.
2: Is there an animal that you wouldn't be able to take? Um, does it matter to you if you can't eat it?
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know, like I killed a hyena. I would never eat one of those. Those are they're disgusting. But there's so way too many hyenas over there, and they, they all they do is kill. And they are, I mean, the plus are really hard to kill. You just don't see them. They're out at night. They're saying they need to have automatic weapons at night in spotlights, just open season to get rid of those things. It's just like so. I had a chance at one, and uh, you know, I killed killed a big male. And that's another thing where, I mean, they can even run off the lions. They're just, man, I don't know. So over there, it's like, you know, you people sit here, they sit at in, in their own little world, and they make these judgments on what should be killed and what shouldn't without ever, don't, they don't even know what's going on in that culture, in, in that area. So when you're there, you know, you can sit here and say, oh, I don't think I ever would. But then you get over there and you're like, Okay, this is different, and so it's it's sort of the you know situational
2: do you think that all hunters are conservationists, or do you think that it's thrown around
0: lately? Yeah, I don't think all hunters are. I mean, when I first started hunting, i didn't even know what probably conservation meant. You know what I mean as far as hunting goes. I was just I wanted to go and get a buck. It's like, did you get your buck this year, right, yeah, I killed a three by three. That was it. It's like, well. What about, are you a conservationist? I'd be like, what? (laughs)
2: Right. (laughs) What about now? Do you feel like you're a conservationist?
0: I I do, yeah. Now I understand it.
2: What's your big cause? Like if you are focusing on something right now, what is your big focus? Are you real up on the public land
0: issue? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah, it's just, I think, explaining, I don't know, just how it all works. You know, how hunters are conservationists, how our money in how the, the kills and the balancing of, of everything of the ecosystem and the, and the animals that inhabit it, how that all works and how hunters are, play that role in fund conservation. And um, I think now I understand it better after all these years. And now I'm, I'm able to explain to others, you know, who don't. And so I, I, you know, I take that role, it's it's a lot. Of, it's response. I mean, I got to be responsible of that role. I got to understand it, and I gotta. I, I mean, it's important. So
2: you have a lot of eyes on you. Yeah. Is yeah. that the message that you want to convey? If you had to put out one message to all these people on your platform, what would it be?
0: <laughs> I hate I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'm that good. To I'm not Steven Nella. There's so many guys better than me. It at verbalizing stances and what they stand for. You know, at the end of the day, I, I feel like I'm I'm a bow hunter. I love what I do. I do enjoy inspiring people. I understand that I do have an important role in this because of the eyes on me. So I try to do the right thing and I don't want to let anybody down, but I can't sit here and just give this verbal, here's my mission statement. I can't do it. I'm just not that good.
2: That's totally fair. Well, at least you're honest about it. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm not perfect. I want to be I want to be a role model. I want to do the right thing, but I screw up all the time.
2: Okay, I've got three rapid fire questions for you. Do you use your shoulders to release, or do you use your finger finger? Why? Yeah.
0: I don't know. That's just how I've done it. You know, I know people are using the back tension releases, and the, I, I've always just used uh, like the spahog wise guy and it's just a regular wrist strap with the trigger. So that's just what I've done for thirty years.
2: okay. Do you take a front on shot ever on an animal? <laughs>
0: Remember, I don't talk about stuff like that.
2: That's fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. This is just my own personal knowledge. How heavy of a bow are you shooting? 80. Okay.
0: 80 pounds. And if they'd make me 90, I'd shoot it. Uh, you know, I've been judged critically for shooting 80 or 90 pounds. Like, oh, you don't need to shoot that much weight. And it's just like people People just like to find something to complain about, I think. They really do. Or to, or to take shots at at me about or, or whatever. So it's just, I don't know, what I always say is just shoot what's comfortable. Shoot the most that is comfortable because, you know, it's, it's going to deliver a harder hitting arrow that will perform better if it gets there at a higher velocity. But you can't sacrifice accuracy just to pull a heavier bow. So I would just say just shoot shoot what you can comfortably and uh, at the highest poundage um shoot every day be dedicated to your craft and just respect the animal and the journey i mean you know don't don't lose sight of why you're out there never put the kill or never misprioritize i guess and you know because at the end of the day that there's a there's a life at stake you know, you're killing an animal. That's serious. And so I, you know, again, I haven't always been perfect. I haven't, I haven't always had this mindset. You know, as a young man coming up, and and didn't really have the worldly view that I have now. And I'm, I'm still developing. I'm, I do not have all the answers now, but I do respect the animals and uh, and the life that I'm taking.
2: And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you so much for listening.